All right, AP, welcome back to the show, and let's go to the phone lines. What a pleasure to welcome this next guest. Certainly doesn't need an introduction here in the great state of Tennessee. One of the best to ever play the game. I know we've war number 18 in the pros, but I think here in Tennessee and Knox would always be number 16. Peyton Manning, how are you, my friend? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. You're doing well. Appreciate it's great. It, it's great, man. Congratulations on your recent induction in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, I was thinking back earlier today, you know, to end your college career with a championship, the SEC title, to end your pro career with a championship, the, the Super Bowl title, and, and all the years you played football, you know, I can't think of an athlete more closely intertwined with his alma mater, more closely invested with his alma mater than you in the University of Tennessee. Peyton Spanning now almost, guys, going on 30 years. What's that relationship been like for you? Well, it's been very special uh, for me. Uh, I've been stay close to the university throughout my entire time uh, since I've playing for the Colts or the Broncos or even since I've been retired from uh, pro football. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of changes uh, there through the years, but uh, I've still had a great passion for the university, for the football players that have played there, for the students when I'm back on campus, uh, for the alums. It's just been a great uh, great connection for me to the, to the state of Tennessee. And, look, I didn't know anybody when I signed with Tennessee in 1994. And people treated me so well and welcomed me, and so it's always been fun for me to be a part of it still. You know, Peyton, I think the neat thing, and, and I guess 97 was my first year on the beat, and I still can see you and Cut down there at the end of the baseball field back when you guys practiced on the baseball field on two-a-days. But the neat, the neat thing to me is all the people that were here then that you still keep in contact with. You still come when you're on campus. You come and see them, Hawk, Frazier, Max, all those guys. But those relationships have just endured. What, what's that been like for you? Well, relationships have been my greatest takeaway from really all my years playing football. It's not really a game or a, or a throw that's kind of my greatest takeaway. It's been the friendships with, you know, Coach Fulmer, Coach Cutcliffe, uh, Roger Frazier, uh, Max Pair, the equipment uh, guys at Tennessee. And I feel that way at kind of all the places that I've played. It's, it's the people that, that kind of make this journey uh, special and make it worthwhile if you had to do it alone and it just wouldn't be, you know, quite as fun. So even though I'm not playing anymore, fortunately you still get to have those friendships and relationships with so many people, you know, like I said, not just the teammates and the coaches, the support staff, behind-the-scenes people that are that are integral into making a quarterback successful. So um, I cherish those relationships. Peyton, it's Austin. My parents sat beside your dad at a banquet probably 15 years ago. And my mom to this day will talk about your dad and how he treated her and treated everyone there. That's something that kind of got passed down to you about making someone feel like, you know, they're important when you engage. Um, kind of take me through the, you know, what you learned from your dad. I know, you know, you talked about it in your Hall of Fame speech, how important he was to you. But those little lessons about how you treat people and how you approach things. Um, you know, how much did he kind of ingrain that in you and, and not only you, but you and Cooper and Eli? Well, certainly he was a great mentor and you know, I was eight years old when my dad retired. So, you know, I can remember, um, you know, just lots of little things, you know, about his NFL career, not necessarily on the field, but, you know, kind of how he treated people after games, how he took time to sign autographs. I can remember, you know, going out to dinner and people coming up and asking him for an autograph and he always took the time to do it and so um 
obviously had no idea that I would end up, you know, having the same profession, and Eli as well. But once it did happen, you certainly remember, um, you know, lots of things that you got to witness uh, as a kid to see how he treated people, took time uh, to give back to the, you know, New Orleans community, to Mississippi. My dad never forgot where he was from or where his roots were. And so, yeah, I just I tried to follow a similar approach that uh, you know, my hometown of New Orleans is so important to me, the people there, and you know, my alma mater, uh, obviously Indianapolis and Denver. So um, he was a great mentor and uh, certainly learned a lot from him growing up. So let's take it fast forward. We go to your last year of playing in Denver. Um, when did you know? Because I remember about three years after you retired, which is you know a couple of years ago, I was having dinner with Trey Teague and Jackson, and he said, you know, I went to one of Peyton's games that year. And after the game, he goes, well, are you coming back next week? <laughs> he goes, I started to mm-hmm. – kind of, that was kind of his reaction every week. And I just felt like this may be it. So he just started – he just kept coming every week. I mean, when did you know it was time? Well, um, obviously, you see some athletes that kind of announce that they are – you know, this is going to be their last year before the season and it becomes – you know, maybe it's somewhat of a farewell tour. I don't know. I remember Derek Jeter telling me that 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 his last season was such a kind of became a distraction for you know the rest of the team. Not to mention you know all the balls and bats he was having to sign at every road game because it was the last time he was going to play in each of these towns. And so I remember him just saying, "Hey, Peyton, if you ever know you're going to retire, just don't uh, don't say it till the end of the season. Then just do it." and be done with it because it just becomes a little too much. So I always kind of remember that. And um, uh, I didn't know, you know, uh, until probably kind of that playoff run uh, in 2015, culminate with the Super Bowl, that I, um, I sort of approached that playoff run as if it probably would be my last. I mean, you never quite know for sure. Tony Dungy was the one that kind of told me don't make any – rash decisions you know you, you hear about players and coaches that decide they're going to retire uh right after the super bowl and then all of a sudden two months later they want to come back and, and so he's the one that kind of said take some time after the season no matter what but i was kind of leaning that way and then i think in march when i decided to do it it just felt like the right right time and um uh, it, it was a great journey but uh certainly no regrets at all we're visiting with Recently inducted Pro Football Hall of Famer Peyton Manning and certainly a Tennessee icon. Peyton, I was watching a replay the other night of the, the 97 SEC championship game. I think it was on SEC Network. And I'm hearing all these different names, you know, offense and defense is announced. And, and, of course, again, I was covering that team. And I went back and looked. You guys on that team in 97 had 27 players on the roster who would go on to be drafted. 13 of those, 13 were first or second rounders. What was it like to play with that kind of collection of talent? No, it was special. And uh, um, I think I speak for all of all fans, and I'd like to uh, uh, maybe see that happen again <laughs> uh, 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 with our football team. You know, it, you know, certainly uh, you felt like the first and second round were just staples of having Tennessee players always there. And uh, we certainly like to get that back. And I know Coach Heifel's, you know, looking forward to uh, recruiting some great players and have a chance to go on and play. But, you know, look, it was a real treat to play with a bunch of guys that love football. All those guys, you know, all love to work. They love to practice. Uh, they cared about their, you know, the team, you know, not just their individual statistics or whatnot. And when you have a bunch of talented players 
that are also very unselfish, uh, you have a chance to succeed. And I, I felt like I played with a bunch of guys like that. You know, Jamal Lewis, Leonard Little, just but they all wanted to do their thing, but they all wanted to do their thing in order to help the team. And uh, uh, there's no surprise so many of those guys ended up, you know, going to the NFL and being drafted so high. You know, I love hearing the stories. You mentioned a couple of guys' names when I talked to them about those teams. And I want to have a little fun with you here and play a little truth or false. 95 oh. Alabama game, when you guys break the streak, you're the only one in the stadium who knew you were going to keep the ball in the naked bootleg. True or false, Peyton? Uh, 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 two people knew it, uh, or, or three actually. Uh, uh, David Cutcliffe, who called the play, Andy Sanders, who signaled the play into me, uh, and, and me. That was it. Uh, I don't think they told the head coach, but but the best way to get your offensive lineman to block if it's going to be a real running play is just to tell them it's a real running play. You know, if you tell them that the quarterback's going to keep it. Uh, they're just not going to block the same. It's just a mental thing that, hey, you know, why should I come down and try to block this defensive lineman to try to get Jay Graham into the end zone if the quarterback's going to keep it? But if you tell him this is a running play and at the last second you just keep the ball to yourself, it sells a lot more. And uh, um, I have this great picture of that play of, like, all the offensive linemen raising their hands because Graham actually scored, but he just didn't have the ball. And even the referee is kind of looking at Graham about to signal touchdown, yet I have the ball on the outside running toward the end zone. So I think either way we would have scored. But, uh, uh, yeah, Tuck, and Sanders, and me, that was a three-man operation for sure. <laughs> so no players. All right, second one. Your freshman year out the Rose Bowl, you come into the huddle, and we've heard the different <laughs> stories and what was said and who said it, and I've talked to most of those linemen. So was it Lehman the one that told you to shut the – well, I won't use his verbiage, but to shut the you-know-what up and call the play? Yeah, true story. Yeah, and it was exactly what he should have said. It's exactly <laughs> what uh, – it's exactly what a freshman or rookie quarterback should not do is to go in and do a lot of talking until you've you know, maybe thrown a completion or, or, or gotten up from a sack. And so – um, it was a great lesson for me to, to kind of walk the walk before you start talking. And uh, I don't think I said another word in that huddle the rest of the season. Uh, I just tried to call the play. But it, um, I kind of blame my dad for that. My dad's the one that told me to you know, get in there to be the leader and take control. And but I, you know, so after that game, I said, Dad, thanks a lot for that advice. I got cussed out in the huddle, but uh, I appreciate it. But uh, it was a good learning. Yeah. It was a good learning moment for me because uh, I kind of applied that when I got to the Colts and the Broncos. It's that you got to kind of earn the respect of the people that you're leading before you become kind of a local leader. All right, last true or false, I'm going to turn it back over to Austin. So if you're out for lunch, and you mentioned a couple of these guys with Roger Frazier. You can ask my question. Alan Sitzler, Hawk, Max Parrott, and Carmen Tagano, longtime associate AD, vice president of, of academic affairs in the athletic department. Who is Carmen the last one to reach to pick up the check, Peyton, true or false? Yeah, yeah that is true. That is not even an option. Uh, it's really just three choices. It's me, Prax, Frazier, uh, 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 Chicken Hawk, or, or Max. Carmen is, Carmen is nowhere on the equation to pick the, I mean, alligator arms to the, to the fullest extent. And uh, it's, it's just not in his repertoire to uh, – but – but he will be there. I can promise you he will be there. Sure. So uh, it's uh, it's a good group, though. It's a good group of people uh, to me. And 
special friendships there for sure. All right. He he went that way. Didn't go with full full of my question. All right, you got to go to Toddy's and have a beer with one. You got to go to Litton's and have a cheeseburger with one, and you got to take one to play golf. Out of Max, Hawk, and Frage, go. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Carmen to have a beer at Toddy's for sure. Uh, I'm taking Chicken Hawk uh, to play golf, and I'm taking Frage and Max together to have a burger at Litton's. Do, do we think Hawk lays up on twelve at Augusta, Peyton? Not, not intentionally, but you know. <laughs> Uh, it could happen, though, for him. It could happen. <laughs> All right. So Tiger Woods once said the three iron that he hit out of a bunker at the PGA, and I think it was 2003, whatever it was, at Hazeltine, was the best shot he's ever hit. What's the best throw you ever made? The best throw I ever made, believe it or not, was in, in 2004. We were playing the Chargers, and, and uh, we, were, we were down by eight. And we uh, and we were driving to, to you know hopefully score and go for a two one conversion. I hit Brandon Stokely. It, did, it just happened to be our 49th touchdown of the year, where we broke Dan Marino's record. But it was kind of a kind of a play that we'd sort of talked about it, but but never never really run before. And it was kind of a corner post that we called it, and uh, it was kind of a last minute audible. But I threw it like when Brandon was like just starting to go to the corner like he took three steps to the corner and then boom he turned back in and the ball was right there uh, uh in his chest it couldn't have been a better anticipated throw it couldn't have been more accurate it was a little wobbly but as we all know i invented the wobbly touchdown pass and uh, uh so that one um i think because of all that was on the line always kind of sticks out to me and we got the two-point conversion to tie, send him in overtime, went on to win the game. So that one kind of sticks out to me. Payne, it's Chris again. Here in about, I don't know, eight years, you and wife Ashley get to go through the recruiting process with Marshall. But remember what Cut said. Remember what Cut said. Mentally, he is he is advanced. It, so long, re- way, long way away from me on that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'm coaching flag football this year. Uh, I got to come up with some better plays this year. Teams are kind of getting on to our offense, so Marshall told me I had to step my offensive coordinator skills up. You're not you're not on the hot seat yet, are you, Peyton? <laughs> I probably am. I like all <laughs> coaches are uh, after one year. I, it, it's kind of a new thing. <laughs> in all seriousness, when you, when you look at recruiting and the way the games change, the whole landscape of college football's changed from when you played. When you look at the NIL rules now and, and just sort of how that's – I still don't have a real crystal ball on what that's going to look like a year or two from now. Do you think back when you played or do you think more into the future on what that's going to look like for college football? Yeah, uh, look, it's certainly here, and, and, and it's probably here to stay. I'm probably not as not as informed on it as, you know, certainly somebody that is, you know, in the college arena, but – um, I mean, my advice to these to all these kids was, uh, I would just be to just just to be sure you kind of keep the priorities in order. I mean, the first thing you're there for is to get your education, and uh, 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 that's got to be tops. You know, if we're not taking care of our schoolwork and, and not you know acting right in class, then then the football is not going to be available because you're not going to be allowed to play. So we got to do that part, and then the football has to be the second one. I mean, that's got to be. You know, while you're there, to get a great education, to be the best football player you can be. Anything else 
that you do or participate in is kind of in that extracurricular activity. And you know, that's community service. Uh, now it's obviously these NILs um, that are in place. But, I mean, to me, if players get too preoccupied with that and they're not concentrating on the football and on the education, then, you know, that's not what being a student athlete is supposed to be. So that would be that would just be my advice to kind of keep the priorities in order uh, to remember that, uh, you know, some of these opportunities might be coming your way, but you have to kind of continue to earn those. You know, if you're not uh, throwing a lot of touchdowns or getting a lot of sacks, some of those things might go away. So, um, look, I, I certainly did my share of commercials in the NFL, but I did them all in the offseason. I worked twice as hard every time I did one because I didn't want anybody to say I'm doing too many commercials. I wanted them to know I was still – you know, concentrated on football. So it's a lot for some of these young players. I hope they can handle it, but I hope they just kind of keep their priorities in order because that's what that's the most important part about going to college, I think. Yep. Peyton, it's Austin again. Chris talked about Marshall. Uh, as a girl dad myself, I, I want to talk about Mosley. Is she playing a lot of sports? I mean, you know, I mean, is she, yeah. what's, what's she like? Yeah, I'm, at a, I'm at a softball practice right now. So, yeah, uh, I got them both playing everything. I, I, I think it's great for these kids to – play as many sports as they can, you know, 10 years old and not specialize and, you know, especially play as many team sports uh, as you can to, you know, be around different types of teammates and taking coaching. So, uh, you know, I had a baseball practice this morning and a, and a softball practice this afternoon. So we're kind of right in the middle of it. School's back in, uh, back in session here in Denver. And, uh, do you, you know, do the drop-off line? College football starting up. What's that? Do you do the drop-off line? Oh yeah, absolutely. Every 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 morning, yeah, love that. That's good quality time uh, in the mornings at car. You know, driving into school and uh, yeah, we're excited for. Uh, I've really enjoyed my falls uh, since uh, since I stopped playing. You know, the, the, obviously with kids sports it's fun, but you know to be able to go to come to some Tennessee games and you know go to the Broncos games. Uh, I'll make a few Colts games this year. Yeah, it's something you never really get to participate in when you're playing. So. Um, I'm excited falls here. Hopefully we can have a normal fall, uh, you know, um, as opposed to last year. Well, Peyton, it's Chris, and we'll get you out on this one. I know it sounds like you're having just a blast being a dad now, you know, and doing dad things and coaching. But no I will, I will say this, man. You, you need to, you need to step up your game in this play calling. I don't want to, I want, I don't want to see on Sports Center tomorrow that you're on the hot seat. So step up I'm your game there. You, I'm telling you, it's a lot of pressure, and uh, you know. Uh, I'm pretty good at calling plays with uh, with 11 guys out there, but this flag is only five. You know, there's, there's like six guys pissing on every play. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of baffled by the whole thing, but uh, it's fun and uh, I enjoy doing it. And uh, it's a great time to spend time with young kids, spend time with your son, and uh, yeah, it, it's certainly been a lot of fun. So, so when you when you get done, or you're never done being a dad, but once as they get a little bit older, Peyton, do, do you see yourself? ever getting back into football, whether it's part of an ownership group or just getting – I know you love the game, and anybody who watched your induction speech could feel how much you love football and what football's meant to you. Do, do you see yourself in some way, shape, or form getting back into football? Well, I think I'll always be a part of it in, you know, in, in some fashion or another. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess ambassador would probably be the, the easiest word to – kind of describe it now but you know just just staying close to the game staying close to 
coaches and players and, you know, kind of what's going on and obviously the, you know, keeping the, keeping the game great, keeping, uh, keeping the safety of it, you know, getting, getting more young kids to play and understand that it is a great game and, and we are trying to make it safer. Uh, so, yeah, just I haven't eliminated anything, you know, uh, I've kind of taking it one year at a time in this second chapter, kind of signing up, you know, for this this year and, you know, maybe next year I'll try something else. Eli and I are going to do a little uh, alternate broadcast for uh, Monday Night Football this year where it's kind of he and I, you know, like we're watching the game at a bar with the viewer. We're just sort of talking football and having some laughs. If the game's good, talk about the game. If the game's not so good, you know, tell some stories, have some guests on. So just like you would kind of be at a bar watching football. So um, I'm looking forward to that, you know, doing that with my brother. But, yeah, look, at some point, if some opportunity came up where it just kind of fit and, and you had some more time to do it, yeah, certainly – uh, that could be on my radar, but right now I, I'm, I'm enjoying kind of what I'm doing. I'm busy, I'm stimulated, but I have some free time to do some of these fun things with our kids. Well, Peyton, growing up, I think every kid in East Tennessee wanted to be you. I may be the only adult that wants to be you in post-retirement because, you know, <laughs> gallivanting around the country playing wing foot and, and all that good stuff, that's my kind of life. <laughs> well, Pey- Peyton, well, man, it's... It. It's been a blast, brother. Uh, we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us here on the nation. And, God, I can't believe it's been 24 years since we were down on that practice field, baseball practice field, on two-a-days. But uh, the passage of time is incredible. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell Barry Litton, the next time you're on t- in town, your next cheeseburger's on us, okay? Deal, deal. I'll take you up on that now. Uh, that's, that's a promise. Sounds good. Peyton, hey, I have a good I appreciate have, it, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for okay, having man. me. Have a great rest of the summer, and we'll see you soon. Okay. Right. Take care, guys. Okay. Peyton Bye. Manning, uh, one of the all-time greats that ever played the game and certainly a, a Tennessee icon, spending some time with us here on The Nation. Great interview. We appreciate his time. Let's get to break. We'll be back here at the Texas Roadhouse in Turkey Creek in just a couple minutes. <laughs> 